Hey, welcome to the Walk On Podcast. This is another episode in our Lent and Narnia series, looking at the Chronicles of Narnia as a launching point to prepare our hearts for Easter and the celebration of Christ's resurrection. This week, we read from Prince Caspian. At this point in the story, Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy find themselves transported back to Narnia, and the children are lost in the woods. Lucy, the youngest, has seen Aslan in the middle of the night, but the others refuse to believe her. We read, When the whole party was finally awake, Lucy had to tell her story for the fourth time. The blank silence which followed it was as discouraging as anything could be. I can't see anything, said Peter, after he had stared his eyes sore. Can you, Susan? No, of course I can't, snapped Susan, because there isn't anything to see. She's been dreaming. Do lie down and go to sleep, Lucy. And I do hope, said Lucy in a tremulous voice, that you will all come with me, because I'll have to go with him whether anyone else does or not. Don't talk nonsense, Lucy, said Susan. Of course you can't go off on your own. Don't let her, Peter. She's being downright naughty. Well, I'll go with her if she must go, said Edmund. She's been right before. I know she has, said Peter, and she may have been right this morning. We certainly had no luck going down the gorge. Still, at this hour of the night? And why should Aslan be invisible to us? He never used to be. It's not like him. He's beating his paw on the ground for us to hurry, said Lucy. We must go now. At least I must. You've no right to try to force the rest of us like that. It's four to one, and you're the youngest, said Susan. Oh, come on, growled Edmund. We've got to go. There'll be no peace until we do. He fully intended to back Lucy up, but he was annoyed at losing his night's sleep and was making up for it by doing everything as sulkily as possible. On the march then, said Peter, wearily fitting his arm into his shield strap and putting his helmet on. At any other time, he would have said something nice to Lucy, who was his favorite sister, for he knew how wretched she must be feeling, and he knew that, whatever happened, it was not her fault. But he couldn't help being a little annoyed with her all the same. Susan was the worst. Supposing I started behaving like Lucy, she said, I might threaten to stay here whether the rest of you went or not. I jolly well think I shall. Obey the High King, Your Majesty, said Trumpkin, the dwarf. And let's be off. If I'm not to be allowed to sleep, I'd as soon march as stand here talking. So the others reluctantly follow Lucy on the rugged trail, and eventually Edmund, then Peter, begin to glimpse Aslan leading the way. And after a long hike, they crest a cliff and reach their destination. We read again. With one last effort, Lucy scrambled after Aslan and came out, rather shaky-legged and breathless, on the hill they'd been trying to reach ever since they left Glasswater. The long, gentle slope, heather and grass, and a few very big rocks that shone white in the moonlight, stretched up to where it vanished in a glimmer of trees about a half mile away. Lucy knew it. It was the hill of the stone table. With a jingling of mail, the others climbed behind her. Aslan glided on before them, and they walked after him. Lucy, said Susan in a very small voice. Yes, said Lucy. I see him now. I'm sorry. And that's all right. But I've been far worse than you know. I've, I really believed it was him. I mean, yesterday, when he warned us not to go down the fir wood. And I, I really believed it was him tonight when you woke us up. I mean, deep down inside. Or I could have if, if I'd let myself. 
but I just wanted to get out of the woods and, oh, I don't know, whatever am I going to say to him? Perhaps you won't need to say much, suggested Lucy. Soon they reached the trees and through them the children could see the grand mound, Aslan's Howe, which had been raised over the table since their days. Aslan stopped and turned and stood facing them, looking so majestic that they felt as glad as anyone can who feels afraid and as afraid as anyone can who feels clad. The boys strode forward, Lucy made way for them, Susan and the dwarf shrank back. Oh, Aslan, said King Peter, dropping on one knee and raising the lion's heavy paw to his face. I'm so glad and I'm so sorry. I've been leading them wrong ever since we started and especially yesterday morning. My dear son, said Aslan. Then he turned and welcomed Edmund. Well done, were his words. Then, after an awful pause, the deep voice said, Susan. Susan made no answer, but the others thought she was crying. Susan, you have listened to your fears, child, said Aslan. Come, let me breathe on you. Forget them. Are you brave again? What was keeping the other children from seeing Aslan? I wonder if it was their fear. Fear has a way of taking our focus off of the object of our security and placing it instead on the unknown of our fear. Fear has a way of controlling us. Sometimes in the face of our fears, we're immobilized, consumed with the what if, not able to make a decision, not able to move forward. Other times in the face of our fears, we instead power up and charge right at them in a way to prove to ourselves or prove to others that we are strong and that that fear can't stop us. But either way, we're still being controlled and influenced by the fears we face. What if the way to deal with our fears is to let God transform them by focusing on Him instead? I find it interesting that Aslan didn't ask Susan to not have fear. He also didn't ask her to face her fears. He simply breathed on her and said, forget your fears. Breath is about presence. You have to be close for someone to breathe on you. In the Gospel of John, after Jesus' death, it says that the disciples were hiding together in fear. And in John 20, 19, says that Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. In the midst of their fear, Jesus breathed on them. And what did he give? God's presence. The presence of God, not just standing in front of them, but now inside them through the presence of the Holy Spirit. The presence of God has been breathed upon you as well. You are not alone in your fears. The Holy Spirit empowers you. God's presence is within you. And now you can have faith over fear 
not because you're strong, but because God is with you and perfect love casts out all fear. So in whatever ways fear is controlling you, whether it's immobilizing you, whether it's causing you to charge right towards it or something in between, there's the promise of God's presence within us. Presence as close as a breath. So in this season, may we focus on God's presence within us instead of our fears in front of us. I want to invite you into a time of prayerful reflection to think about our fears and to think about God's presence within us. So find a place and a position where you can focus. I invite you to take a couple deep breaths to settle your hearts and your mind on Christ. Now imagine you're standing on the rocky shore of a creek, large, smooth stones under your feet. You bend down and start picking up those heavy stones. And as you hold them in your arms, you look down and you see words written on them. You realize these words are fears that you have. What fears are you holding? what's written on those rocks. In this moment, ask God to help you identify your fears and acknowledge them before Him. And you feel the weight of those fears as you hold them your arms are tired. You keep shifting your stance as you try to find a comfortable way to hold them, but none can be found. Suddenly, a strong breeze blows over the creek. It's warm and smells of spring air, and the breeze grows into a strong gust. You look down and you see the rocks you hold that represent your fears begin to turn into feathers and float away in the wind. Your arms feel relief. You feel lighter and hopeful. And as the breeze settles, a gentle voice speaks out, peace be with you for I am within you. May you rest in the truth that God's powerful presence is within you, that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit of God has been breathed upon you and resides within you and you can have faith over fear as you place your focus on the presence of God and not on the unknowns of your circumstance. Peace is yours because perfect love casts out all fear.